Good morning. Here, there we go. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn to Mark chapter 1. We're going to be in our gospel reading this morning. Mark 1, we're going to look, land, anchor, in verses 9 through 15. By way of turning there, I want to invite you to... I want to invite you and want, you, want to welcome you to the first Sunday in Lent. So welcome. Um, everything has changed. You probably are seeing that. Things have become purple. The cross is now draped. Um, if you were at Wish Ash Wednesday, uh, things are changing, right? We have ashes on our heads, the imposition of ashes. Things change in these 40 days. It is I don't know if you know this or not, but Lent, the root word, actually means spring. But the way it begins may feel a lot more like winter, this blast of kind of cold air before the warm green is here to stay. Because after all, this season should remind us of our sinfulness, our humanness. If you were at Ash Wednesday, you would have heard this psalm read for us, Psalm 51, Right? The psalmist makes it very clear. He sets the tone for the next 40 days. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away, Lord, all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for they are always before me. Against you have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Lent reminds us of our sinfulness and humanness, but we need not open our Bibles to be reminded of this. In fact, all you have to do in this day and age is open up a newspaper. Or this week, just turn on the TV. Right? And you are reminded again of how evil this world is. And how cruel it can be. I mean, you couldn't help but hear Blair as she read those names just grieved. Just mourning in our hearts that it would all change and all just go away. In fact, that's exactly what I want to do this morning. I want to encourage us. I want to say how depressing it would be if we just said, Lent is about our sinfulness. Let's be morbid and think about how human we are and just end it there. (laughs) I mean, what hope is there in that? There isn't any. But thanks be to God... That Lent isn't just a reminder of just how sinful we are, but it is a reminder that because we are sinful, God in His great mercy and grace acted. He put into motion the greatest rescue mission in the history of the world. And Mark here in chapter 1 is heroing our champion. He is, he's wanting you to see who this individual is 
that puts to flight sin, that has and is and will call on his workers, that rules the nations, that turns the hearts of kings and queens, that opens doors, that heals diseases, that gives courage, that throws Satan down like lightning, that takes out the hearts of stone, that removes spiritual blindness, that conquers unbelief, that creates death-defying faith, that gathers worshiping saints like he's done here today, that turns all sacrifices into seeds of triumph, that makes every martyr a catalyst for thousands more. Right? Who is this conquering hero that makes all of these things happen through the pages of the Gospels? Mark answers that question right in verse 1. Look at verse 1. He makes it very clear, right? He wants to just make this crystal clear this morning. It is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The coming of the eternal Son of God into the world as God-man, Jesus Christ, is a fact of history. But the coming of the Son of God into the world is so much more than just an historical fact. It was and is a message of hope sent by God to children like those over there and those sitting here. And not just children, but teenagers. Even like the one in Florida that picked up a weapon. And those that were slain. In my youth, in my youth group. Teenagers. Men and women like you. But not just men and women like you. All men and women of all tribes and all nations. Message of hope. And since the Son of God lived and He died and He rose and He reigns and He's coming again, God's message through Him is more than just an historical fact. It is a Lenten gift to you this morning. February 18, 2018. From the voice of the living God. It is a message for what is good and precious in your life may not ever be lost. And what is evil and undesirable in your life can be changed. The fears that a few good things that make you happy are slipping through your fingers and the the frustrations, the bad things that you hate perhaps about yourself or your world or your culture, that your situation can't be changed These fears, these frustrations, Christ came to destroy. Amen? Amen. And so what Mark is showing us here in Mark 1, our context, is true, two truths to savor and to see, and then one call of action upon your life. Or if you like catchphrases like I do, just to help me remember, We could really say three things or label these things in three parts. Christ is identified, Christ is sanctified, and then you can be justified. Here we go. Ready? Truth number one. Verse 10. Immediately he saw the heavens being torn open 
Spirit descending on him like a dove. So here we go, Ark of the Covenant. God covenant upon the people there in the ark, saving them. Like a dove, verse 11, voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son, with you I am what? I'm well pleased. We know from the beginning verses of Mark's gospel that it was John the Baptist. This grisly Adams figure, right? He is... He gives us a great look at who he is. He's baptizing folks from all of Judea, coming from Jerusalem. He's clothed with camel's hair, wore a leather belt around his waist, and he has a fabulous diet, doesn't he? This Atkins diet of locusts and honey, right? He is, John the Baptist is setting the stage, isn't he? He's setting this wonderful and perfect stage that just at the right moment the curtain will rise and the spotlights are going to blaze like they've never blazed before on Jesus of Nazareth who is about to be identified as a key player in redemption history. And our narrator Mark begins to conjure up Old Testament themes and words for his readers who would, so these would have been pointers. They would have been identity markers for his readers to say that this here is the Messiah. And he uses the words of the prophet Isaiah, verses 2 and 3, describe John the Baptist, that this would be the man who sets the stage. But the greatest Identity marker is what? It is this voice, right? It is this voice coming from heaven with these words. You are my son. With you I am well pleased. So, so we could read that and we could just kind of think like, okay, so this is probably one of those instances like you're at the mall and someone's like, hey, who's, whose kid is this? And you're like, oh, yeah, he's mine. He's, that's my son. All right, that's not what's happening here. And you fathers know exactly what I'm getting at, right? Because it's like Little League, and your boy's up to bat, and he smacks one out in the outfield, and you're like, what? That's my son. Right? There he is. That's what's happening. That's the idea. I enjoy, I am admiring, I am cherishing, prizing, relishing in what I'm seeing here because that's my son. That's identity. Truth number two. Christ is then sanctified. He's set apart. Verse 12, I love this. Mark just kind of, all of a sudden it's kind of like, okay, identity, now Drive him out into the wilderness. Like Spirit drives him out into the wilderness. Verse 13, why? 40 days. 40 days he's being tempted by Satan. 40 days of community, right? We're pitching to y'all. 40 days. 40 days is important, Scripture. But he's being tempted by Satan. And then he was surrounded by lions Tigers and bears, oh, oh my. Sorry, I thought you'd follow me. <laughs> Maybe not. It's like, 
right? Wild animals. What is the deal with this? What's Mark doing? What is wild animals? Why does he say he's surrounded by wild animals? Think again. He's beckoning us here to think back now, way back to the book of Genesis. When you had Adam in a pristine and perfect garden, and whereby had had tame animals around him by which he had happy dominion over as God's co-regent. But what happened in Genesis 3? Genesis 3 comes along and Adam and Eve transgress their maker's regulation about abstaining from a particular tree. And in so doing, they brought us all into sin, including animals, and including the garden. And Mark is saying here with certainty that Jesus is what? He's the new Adam. He's he's the new Adam. He is the ultimate man. Because instead of a beautiful garden that Adam got, he faces his temptations now in a wilderness created by Adam's sin. And instead of kindly presiding over tame animals, he's surrounded by wild ones. And like Adam's surroundings, Jesus is to live out human perfection in a world marred by sin's corruption. And how did he do? How did our victor do? Right? Anybody seen Rocky IV? Rocky IV came out in 85. I know some of you weren't born yet. Um, maybe you haven't seen this, but it's kind of, you know, Rocky is facing the Russian, you know, and the Russian has these words, I will break you. In a roundabout way, that's kind of like what's happening here. Satan is like, I'm going to break you. And I'm going to break you in this wilderness, in this place. And how does Jesus come out? Blow after blow, he's unflappable. And he is set apart by the power of the Holy Spirit for all that lay ahead of him. He's identified, he is sanctified, and lastly, you and I can be justified. Look at verse 14. Verse 14 and 15 is the, it's the good news. Jesus enters public ministry and begins to proclaim what? The gospel of God, verse 14. And verse 15, and saying, what's the gospel? The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, and what? Here's the action. You and I need to repent and believe. And Jesus, here's the good news. We have an escape. We have an escape from being born into Adam's condemned family. With God's amazing gift of new birth, we are now able to exercise faith in Christ and this new ultimate man be joined to him and included in the triumph of his family. What is good and what is precious now in your life need never be lost. And what is evil and what is detestable in your life can now be conquered 
through the cross. Repent and believe in the gospel. Some of you have done that here this morning. I am fully aware that some of you in this room have done that this morning. And so what I want to say to you is look now in these 40 days of Lent. Look to Christ. He is your champion. He is your victor. In these Lenten days, look to him, praise him, worship him, and then ask him, Christ, what is getting in the way of our relationship? What is it that keeps me from putting my eyes on you in my life? Because there's no doubt, I don't know all of your stories in this room, but there's no doubt that all of us here have something that oftentimes trips us up. But you may be here this morning, and you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I want to say to you this morning, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day by which you gloriously are founded in Christ. This week, a, uh, a four-year-old little girl, Heidi Renee Todd, beautiful little girl. She went missing from John's Island. She was miraculously founded by the keen eye of two Norfolk Southern train employees. And the Riverside police chief in Georgia, his name was Rick Oliver, he was asked after finding this little girl by a news reporter. The news reporter said this, quote, You guys do great work, but sometimes we get lucky. Sometimes we just get lucky. And his reply to that was absolutely priceless. Because he said, this is a blessing. It had nothing to do with luck. The good Lord put me in the right place at the right time. And he had his hand upon that little girl. And how true that statement is of you and me today. You know what? You're not here this morning by chance. Nobody rolled the dice and got you in those doors. You're here because God wanted you to hear this Lenten message on February 18, 2018. And he wants you to repent. And he wants you to believe. And he wants you to be encouraged. This Lent. Why? Because Christ the victor has come to rescue you and me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Pray that you would bless it, that you would use it in our lives, that we would go forth out of this place 
changed people. We are not here by chance. We're not here by luck. So set our feet to dancing. In these 40 days, may we look to you as our victor because we know how the story ends. There may not be any hallelujahs in the weeks ahead, but Father, that Sunday when we rise out of bed and we come to this place knowing that we worship a risen Savior, pray that we would scream hallelujah from the rooftops and that we would scream it to our neighbors and those that don't know you. Because you have come to rescue those from sin in this world in which we find us. So bless this message in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all God's people said, amen.